bring greetings in Christ's name this morning. I um, was blessed yesterday in listening to Harvey um, share there. Um, I felt we could have maybe played that recording here this morning um, and got as good of a message out of that again. Um, and then also this morning, too, with the devotional with, with Lucas there, um, I, was, I was blessed. Um, it is good to see um, brothers uh, from around, maybe you could say around the, the country, um, that believe um, in our Lord. This morning I'm going to continue um, my expository sermon out of John, and so most of my sermon um, is going to come out of John chapter 2. Some of the, at least from our home um, here, was missing the last time that I preached on John chapter 1 where I gave an introduction to John. And so I'm going to repeat some of the interesting facts about John um, again here this morning just to kind of get a um, little picture of who John was. And um, John was one of the seven Johns in the Bible that are mentioned. There was John the Baptist. There was Peter, the disciple's father's name was John. There was John the Apostle. There was John Mark, who may have written the, the um, Gospel of Mark. And in Acts 4, 5, and 6, John had a member um, of the high priest's family. The name was John. Who is John? He was a son of a fisherman named Zebedee. Um, his mother was Salome, who is believed, or at least some say, was Mary Jesus' mother's sister, so Jesus and John could have been first cousins. John was not Jesus' brother. John had a brother named James that was not Jesus' brother. John is believed to be approximately 25 years old when Jesus called him to follow him. John was one of the um, core group of Jesus' followers. He was with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. He was with Jesus in the garden, in agony there, and he was with Jesus at his crucifixion. When Jesus was hanging on the cross, he told John to take care of his mother Mary. And um, John was also present at the day of Pentecost and continued in Asia till his death, approximately 68 years after Christ's death. In AD 95, John was banished from Ephesus and carried to Rome, where he was immersed in a cauldron of boiling oil, where he escaped unhurt. John is the only apostle who died a natural death at approximately 100 years old. And John's gospel was written somewhere between A.D. 68 and 97. John wrote the gospel of John, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, and Revelations. John was one of the disciples of Jesus. He was an eyewitness to Christ. He's seen what Christ did firsthand. Keep that in mind as um, we study John. John was an eyewitness. He actually seen 
um, and wrote down what he's seen. The key verse to the whole book of John, and I mentioned this last time, but I'm going to mention it every time. In John chapter 20, verse 31, John says, These are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through his name. That is the, the whole spectrum of the book of John. Um, it's kind of like it overshadows the whole book of John. Everything that's written in the book of John is that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. If you're in John chapter 2, I'm going to read that, starting in verse 1. And that third day, there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. And both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. And when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus saith unto him, They have no wine. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. His mother saith unto the servants, Whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. And there were set there six water pots of stone, after the manner of the purifying of the Jews, containing two or three firkins apiece. Jesus saith unto them, Fill the water pots with water, and they filled them up to the brim. And he saith unto them, Draw out now, and bear unto the governor of the feast, and they bear it. When the ruler of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine, and knew not whence it was, but the servants which drew the water knew, the governor of the feast called the bridegroom, and saith unto him, Every man at the beginning does set forth good wine, and when men have well drunk, then that which is worse. But thou hast kept the good wine until now. This beginning of miracles did Jesus in Cana of Galilee, and manifested forth his glory, and his disciples believed on him. After this he went down to Capernaum, he and his mother and his brethren and his disciples, and they continued there not many days. And the Jews' Passover was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem, and found in the temple those that sold oxen and sheep and doves and the changers of money sitting. And when he had made a scourge of small cords, he drove them all out of the temple and the sheep and the oxen and poured out the changers' money and overthrew the tables and said unto them that sold doves, Take these things hence, make not my father's house and house of merchandise. And his disciples remembered that it was written, The zeal of thine house hath eaten me up. Then answered the Jews and said unto him, what sign showest thou? What sign showest thou unto us, seeing that thou doest these things? Jesus answered and said unto him, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. Then said the Jews, Forty and six years was this temple in building, and wilt thou rear it up in three days? But he spake of the temple of his body. When therefore he was risen from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this unto them, and they believed the scripture and the word which Jesus had said. Now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover in the feast day, many believed in his name when they saw the miracles which he did. But Jesus did not commit himself unto them because he knew all men and needed not that any should testify of man for he knew what was in man. Now as we go through John here, the question that I ask myself when I am studying and I want you to ask yourself and hopefully you can answer that at the end of um, end of the message is that what do we have in this chapter about God and his doctrine that 
if this chapter was missing from the Bible, um, we would not have. So what do we have in this chapter, in John chapter 2, about God and his doctrine that we wouldn't have if this chapter was missing? starts out here with um, Cana of Galilee. Jesus was there. It says um, his mother was there and, and called um, Jesus to the wedding, the marriage there. And I, I um, looked and I looked, and um, unless my research is wrong, this is the only place in the Bible that this marriage of Cana is mentioned. And I thought... Um, that some of, the, uh, some of the other Gospels refer to this marriage, and I can't find it anywhere. So if you can, let me know. Um, but this is the only place that I could find where this marriage of Cana was mentioned. And um, was this the first miracle of Jesus? We'll get to that a little later. Um, was this the first miracle that Jesus performed here? John talks a lot about miracles. Um, in John, he mentions miracle 13 times. And remember, he is, he is trying to um, present in his gospel that he wants people to believe. And so John mentions um, miracle 13 times. Luke mentions it once, Mark twice. And Matthew doesn't even have the word miracle in it. Um, and so John mentions miracles of Jesus, maybe not the miracles of Jesus, but the word miracle, more than any of the other Gospels. It says here, um, and the third day there was a marriage. I don't know if this means Jesus was there three days and then he went to the marriage, or if this was the third day of the marriage um, going on. It was common back in the Jewish customs then that a marriage lasted seven days. And um, yesterday, as we were sitting at the bridal table there, I asked Delbert that. I said, I'm normal. I mean, back in the Jewish customs, um, a wedding lasted seven days. I said, is that, that okay? And he, he didn't look like he was too impressed. Um, he didn't, I don't think he wanted to stick around for seven days. Um, I don't know what all they did seven days, but this could have been the third day of the seven days of the marriage. And um, some scholars say that the bride and the groom, one of them could have been relation to the mother of Jesus. And so possibly um, Jesus, it could have been Jesus' relatives here that were, that were at the married, getting married. In verse 3, um, it says, And when they wanted wine... And um, I don't know, it doesn't really say here um, if Jesus and his disciples were the one wanting wine or if the guests at the marriage were wanting wine. But anyhow, um, they either ran out of wine or they wanted wine. And um, Jesus' mother came to him and said, they have no wine. I don't know what this wine was like, but I don't think um, it was wine as we think of it today. Um, was it alcoholic? Um, 
could have been. Uh, maybe they used discretion. It was probably not um, the same thing as what we think of. Um, although, uh, maybe if you're at a marriage for seven days, um, you might want to distress her. I'm not sure. Jesus would not, I don't think, have promoted anything that would have defiled or corrupted our body or thinking that would have caused us to commit immoral acts. Um, alcoholic beverages cause us to not think properly um, if used in excess. And so I, I, I can't see Jesus here um, doing a miracle, making something that would have caused someone to commit immoral acts. Um, in Proverbs it says, Wine is a mocker, strong drink is raging, whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. Um, so whatever the wine was, um, the people wanted some, and we come to, to verse 4 there, and I think it's a hard question. I, and maybe it's, our, maybe it's our King James Version um, that makes it a little hard to understand, but I wrestled with this question. What was Jesus saying here? Um, Woman, what have I to do with thee? Um, what, what did Jesus mean? Um, what was Jesus trying to say? Um, was Jesus being disrespectful to his mother when he said that? What kind of tone of voice? How did he, what was his expression? How did he come across? Um, and what was Jesus trying to say? The ESV version says, Woman, what does this have to do with me? Um, I think it's a little easier to understand. Another version says, O woman, what is this to you and me? So that they ran out of wine, Jesus is saying, what does it matter? Um, why does that concern you and me? And Mary, as Jesus' mother, probably, um, and if some of the Bible scholars um, think that this was, that, Mary's, that Mary here was related to the bride and the groom, um, she probably felt responsibility um, to care for, to help, and to somehow um, provide for the necessities here at this marriage. And somehow Mary knew that her son, Jesus, had power to perform miracles. And I don't know if she's ever seen Jesus perform a miracle before. This could possibly be the first miracle that Jesus performed. I, I thought somewhere that it says it is the first miracle that Jesus performed. But it doesn't say that here. Um, it doesn't say that, that turning water into wine was the first miracle of Jesus. Um, but Mary believed. Somehow Mary believed that her son had the power to do um, the impossible here. So Jesus is probably saying, um, so what? Um, what is that to you and me? What does it matter if they don't have the, the wine? Um, I'm not here to supply the necessities for this marriage. I, I think that's probably the proper term here of what Jesus was trying to say. I, um, I don't really, what is that to you and me that they don't have wine? And then he says, mine hour is not yet come. Um, and I think it'd be better to say my time is not yet come. Um, and there's some controversy here what Jesus was talking about, whether he was talking about his 
prophesying his death, his resurrection? Um, was Jesus, if Jesus didn't perform any miracles before this point, people probably didn't really know um, the power he had, maybe. And so was Jesus scared? Um, did he not want to reveal who he really was? Uh, what did Jesus mean here that his time has not yet come? In John 7, 6, Jesus said, My time is not yet come. In John 7, 8, he said, Go ye up to the feast. I go not up um, unto the feast, for my time is not yet full come. And in John 12, 23, this is the week of Jesus' death. Jesus said, The hour is come that the Son of Man should be glorified. And so maybe the hour was meaning the crucifixion, death, resurrection. Um, he knew that once he revealed himself, um, it wouldn't be long. Another version says, The hour for my being openly manifested as the Messiah, or it means his hour for manifesting forth his glory as the Messiah by working miracles. Um, another scholar says the hour would come when rivers of living water would be supplied to all those who came to him when the blood he would when the blood he would shed would be a divine stream clear as crystal for the refreshment of all nations when at another marriage supper of saved humanity the precious blood should be an ample supply of costly wine for all the world moreover the link at the present moment between our Lord and his mother must begin to shade into something more spiritual. Nevertheless, Jesus here obeyed his mother and um, performed a miracle. And in verse 11, it says there, this beginning of miracles did Jesus. Um, and that's where um, I don't read that to say this is the first miracle Jesus performed. Um, it was the beginning of his miracles. In um, John 20, verse 30, John says, Many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. And so, even though this is maybe the first recorded miracle of Jesus in John, it doesn't necessarily mean that this is his first miracle. And then in um, verse 11 there, he goes on to say that he, so after he began doing miracles, it says he manifested forth his glory. What does he mean by that? Once he started um, performing miracles, um, maybe revealing that he was the Messiah, um, it says, and manifested forth his glory. Manifested forth there, according to the Strong's, means to render um, apparent, to declare, to show. And um, glory there, according to Strong's, is um, dignity, glory, or honor. So he was um, making, making apparent or revealing, declaring his, his glory, his, his honor, his dignity, his supreme divinity. This is now um, the son of Joseph, the carpenter's son, Jesus of Nazareth. Now he's becoming charismatic, radical, and lost his mind, according to the Jews. 
Will I believe? Will you believe? It says there his disciples believed on him. And I thought it was interesting in Strong's, the word believe there is to have faith in, upon, or with respect to a person or thing that is credit to entrust, especially one's spiritual well-being to Christ. So his disciples believed, and that means to have faith in, upon, or with respect to a person or thing. Jumping on to the next section there, um, it's interesting that our, our Sunday school lesson um, is kind of along the same topic here, especially for us as adults. Um, so it says here, Jesus, the Jews' Passover was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Um, and it says there he went to the temple and um, found people buying and selling there. In Matthew um, 21, 13, has the same or a similar account. In Mark eleven fifteen, where our Sunday school lesson was found today, and in Luke nineteen forty five, is a similar account. Now, there's a, a great debate amongst those that study history and Bible that this may have been the same account as the other Gospels, or it could have been a, a different account. Um, there's similar facts, and yet there's differences between the two. If, so the other three Gospels where they mention where Jesus went into the temple, it was the week of his, it was when he made his triumphal entry into Jerusalem, it was the week of his um, crucifixion, week of his death. And so, if this is the same account here, there's a three-year gap between verse 11 and 13. So could it possibly be a, a different account here than in the other Gospels? Um, I don't know. It could be. could be a same account. Um, but this, in, in John here, is the only record of um, the first cleansing, the other Gospels, if there was two accounts of Jesus cleansing the temple, the other Gospels don't mention it. Um, and John doesn't mention the later one either. But none of the other Gospels record this as first part of Jesus' ministry. It is probable that Jesus began and finished his public ministry by this significant act. I'll say that again. It is, it is probable that Jesus began and finished his public ministry by this significant act, by cleansing the temple. So what was Jesus saying here in verse 16? Make not my father's house an house of merchandise. The other Gospels um, say what the temple should be like, and John says what it shouldn't be like. John says, make not my father's house and house of merchandise. He doesn't mention, the other Gospels talk about a house of prayer. He doesn't mention that here. He doesn't mention about his father's house being a place of prayer. Now, he says merchandise here. 
Um, what is a house of merchandise? In the Strong's, the word merchandise, there's only one word in Strong's that defines merchandise, and that's a mart. M-A-R-T, a mart. What's a mart? It's kind of some old-fashioned word, isn't it? Walmart? <laughs> oh, maybe it's not as old-fashioned as, as we thought. Merchandise here is a mart. And Webster's, a mart, um, is defined as a market, a bargain, coming together of people to buy and sell or to deal in. So is Jesus saying here, do not make my house a Walmart or a church mart? Um, the other Gospels, um, like I said, state that the church, and I, and I don't know, this talks about here, Father's house. Um, I don't know how, how the, yeah, there may be as different convictions as far as what we call our place of gathering. Um, I know we often say we're going to church, um, although this building is not really church. It's the people that are inside the building. And so the other gospel writers state that the church or the house of the Lord or the meeting house should be a house of prayer. So how do we make this practical to us today? How do we apply this today to our lives um, to not make the house of God a place of merchandise? Um, in our Anabaptist circles, here at Believer's Fellowship, should we never buy and sell in the church house? Um, I know we have school events here once in a while where we, um, there's books for sale, there's singing groups that come here that sell CDs. Um, money is handled here every Sunday um, by taking our offering. Um, What about my conversation after the service? And maybe that hits closer home. Maybe we don't bring our goods here to sell. But what about my conversation after the service? Uh, do my thoughts and talk go directly to my business, my job, or how it will make the next dollar? I, we are known to be good businessmen. Where is your heart this morning? Are you buying and selling corn? Cows, steel, my next hunt, miles I will drive this week, my investments, cars, fabric, shoes, how much food I will need for the next meal, and the list could go on. Am I buying and selling this morning? The disciples, the next verse made reference to Psalm 69.9, and um, it was mentioned this morning in our Sunday school class, the zeal of thine house hath eaten me up, Another interpretation of that would say the zeal to promote thy glory and to keep thy worship pure. And so I'm thinking about how to, um, how to act or, or, yeah, what to do in the house of the Lord. The zeal to promote thy glory and to keep thy worship pure, um, I think, defines it. Bottom line... The Lord's house must be kept pure. It's a place of worship, honor, praise, bringing glory to the Lamb, our Savior, Redeemer, and Lord.
Now this includes what I wear, how I act, and what I talk about in the Lord's house. May the King of kings and Lord of lords be exalted and honored, not my selfish ambitions and gains. Am I here to promote myself? And then Jesus goes on to foretell his death and resurrection here. Um, the Jews here didn't understand it, and I don't know if the disciples did at first either till after his death and resurrection that Jesus here was prophesying in three days um, he's going to rise up from the dead. And in verse 23, um, it says that when they saw the miracles which Jesus did, they believed. Um, Again, they saw the miracles that Jesus did and believed. But in verse 24, it says, Jesus did not commit himself unto them. What does Jesus mean there? Um, he did not commit himself unto them. So these people believed, but Jesus did not commit himself unto them. I found it interesting that the word commit there is the same Greek, or the, the definition, the, the Greek word, is the same word as believe. Um, and so Jesus did not um, put his faith into these people because he knew men. Seems like here maybe that the people believed that he was the promised Messiah, but did not believe to the salvation of their souls. So they seen what Jesus did, but they did not believe to the salvation of their souls. Their hearts were not all changed. And so Jesus knew that, and he knew um, where men's hearts were at. And so as we look at John chapter 2, what is Jesus trying to say? What if this chapter was missing? What would we miss about God and his doctrine? Where is your heart this morning? Do you believe in Jesus and God? And this may seem kind of um, like a contradiction, but most non-believers believe there's a God. Um, most non-believers believe there is a God. Has that belief gone deeper? Has it changed your heart? And Jesus said, by their fruits, you shall know them. We talked about that this morning, about the fig tree. By their fruits, you shall know them. Can others tell you've been with Jesus? Do I look around? Do I, do I look at the world? Um, do I see what all God is doing around the world and believe? Or do I have a personal relationship with my Savior? And believe. My burden is that that all would come to know the Lord, and I say, don't um, don't wait till tomorrow. Do it today. Tomorrow never comes. And you say, oh yeah, but yesterday we said we're going to church tomorrow, but this ain't tomorrow. This is today. Tomorrow never comes. Do it today. Time is too precious. Don't waste it. And I think of, of um, Elizabeth laying there 
in her hospital bed um, for two, two weeks now. I wonder what she's thinking. Um, she's not able to talk since then. Um, and I think of Mel. Um, this is now the fifth Sunday that he's not been here. And I know when I talked to him this past week, um, he said he has a deep longing to be here. Um, time is too precious. Don't waste it. Where is your heart this morning? Let's kneel for prayer. Lord, you gave us John chapter 2 here.